Welcome to Daystar Rising. I'm Keith Murray. And I'm Julie Murray. Join us for conversations about destiny, discernment, and the new spiritual paradigm. Hey everyone, welcome to Daystar Rising. I'm Keith Murray and with me today is my lovely life. No, we'll leave that in there because that's funny. <laughs> People think we're crazy, but I like it. All right, yeah. let's try this again. Okay. Hey everyone, welcome to Daystar Rising. I'm Keith Murray, and with me today is my lovely wife, Julie. Hello. <laughs> Had to try to remember what your name was. <laughs> or what to call me. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so many options. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining us today. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you'll go back and check out some of the other stuff in the archives. Not hold our intro against us. Yeah, that too. And if you have been listening to some of the stuff, I hope you'll enjoy this one today too. We probably touched on this topic a little bit in the past. I suspect it's hard to remember sometimes of what information we've covered or that maybe I have. Sometimes I have in in various teachings or presentations, Mm -hmm. different places. And so I don't always remember in what format or what form I have talked about things. And so I don't know that we've talked about it or devoted much time to the subject of willpower and of contraction and expansion of these principles. We talked, I know recently, we talked about the principle of subjectivity and objectivity, Mm -hmm. which a lot of these things... I don't, I don't really know. Sometimes I feel like I'm very much out of touch because I think some people, if I mention this phrase, the principle of subjectivity and objectivity, some folks will probably say, of course, that's obvious and it goes without saying and that's very fundamental. Other people will say, maybe, I have no idea what you just said. Well, and depending on who you ask, like what group you're talking about, some people will see it as objectivity versus subjectivity, and other groups of people would see it as subjectivity versus objectivity. Like they think one is good and one is bad. Whereas when we talk about things like, we've had a podcast before, the nuance and light and shadow, and we've touched on, I don't think we've had a whole podcast of masculine and feminine, but we, we often go into these discussions where we're discussing two extremes and how then, for truth's sake and stability's sake and growth's sake, taking those elements and coming into some kind of a consensus, more centered position, instead of saying this or that, which is what our culture does, including our religious culture based on their values, based on their paradigm, they usually will focus in on one area, one set of values to the exclusion of what is not that. And then we see the division in the country that we have because you've got people like that are conservative and they have certain values that typically go with a conservative, like a politically conservative group. And then you have values, and I'm not saying they're good or bad, but they're both, they can both be good, um, that go with a politically, what is, what would say liberal position. And usually our Society will pit, and, and I don't think they mean to innately. I think people just get in their corners and they get dogged and defend, you know, about what their values are. And I, I understand that, but you know, you have to be willing to admit and accept whatever is true about a position that's not yours. And you and I talk about this a lot. And I think that the one of the reasons why we're so fractured and fragmented as a society right now is because no one is willing to listen and hear 
for the truth that is not right within their position. You know, there are things to be said, for example, there are things to be said about environmental issues that I think most conservatives just kind of might roll their eyes and flap their hand and say, yeah, yeah, whatever, you tree hugger, without really listening to certain things. And then I think people who are of an environmentalist position would just be like those greedy bastard Republican corporate, you know, all the, that, that just don't care about the environment. None of them do. They just care about making money. And there's things that would be true for them to hear as well. And so when you get into these concepts that seem to be opposite of each other, like contraction or expansion or some of these other things we've mentioned, our podcast is different than a lot of podcasts out there to me, things I've listened to, that we're not just advocating a one position. If we're advocating a one position, it's more a position that is more centered that's trying to take in the whole truth, not just the partial truth of a partial paradigm. Yeah, I agree. And that is probably one of the one constants that we do discuss and that we have, you know, it's ta- it, it took a long time. I always wanted, I had a heart my whole life to want to try to be honest and want to try to choose truth and what is right over error most mm-hmm. of the time. I didn't always do that, but by and large, that was my desire from a kid that I wanted to do that. And a lot of times, you know, I remember it would have been easy many times for me just to lie and get out of sure. trouble right. that I didn't. Right. I didn't do that. And I would admit that I did something for knowing in the many times other kids, the systems are set up to reward lying. Mm-hmm. And to punish honesty mm-hmm. and righteousness. It just is. Yeah. I mean, not trying to blame any individual necessarily. It's just the systems of this world in their fallen state. That's what they produce and that's what they do. But the new spiritual paradigm, whereas, and you kind of touched on this, in the past you have, as you still do now, just like you talked about with the red and the blue and the liberal and conservative and Democrat and Republican, these endless fractures and endless tribalism of you take a position, whether it's the nature of God or whatever it might Mm -hmm. be, predestination Mm -hmm. versus free will. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know anyone. I'm not, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's many people out there that I don't know about. I'm just saying from my experience, I've never heard anybody present a position that unifies those two things Mm -hmm. that says this is true and this is true. It's always, again, my experience, there's probably people out there that that see this, but my experience is on an issue like that of does man have free Mm -hmm. will or is he predestined? Is everything determined or how does all that work? As if both can't be elements of truth. Yeah, you've got one guy on one end on the right, one guy or gal on the left, and they're arguing their positions and they present their evidence And I began to see with so many of these things over and over again that in order to really connect and embrace the truth, you can't dismiss this Mm -mm. position and say this position's 100% Mm -mm. right and this position is 100% wrong. That in a lot of cases, you've got half-truths or you've got evidence being presented on both sides that an honest evaluation of it doesn't I, I just think that people, through their narrow-mindedness and dishonesty, 
and this may be subconscious, and a lot of times it is, will not acknowledge the points, the evidence, or facts, truth, presented on the other side because the real aim is to win, not, it's to defeat the opponent, not to find the real truth. Well, and I think they're also taught, at least I can speak for the conservatives, um, they're taught that, you know, to not be disloyal and not be out of faith. Compromise. Yeah, right. Uh, that's a, that's the best word. To not compromise their position that they know is right, that, you know, that they've been taught is right. And so to even listen to someone that they consider to be in a sinful position, just I'll just use this as, as an example like Christian, a Christian position, versus hearing truth outside of that Christian paradigm. They're taught not to compromise, quote-unquote, by listening to anything that's coming at them from outside their belief set. That to do that is to basically kind of pull their own rug out from under them and give the enemy a foothold in. And I understand, you know, you have to be have discernment and be wily to the tactics, but it's not just the tactics of the devil, it's the tactics of unconsciousness of people, primarily of your own tactics of unconsciousness. The danger is not just outside of yourself, it's it's inside of yourself. And what, you know, part of the discernment, we tag three things in our intro, destiny, discernment, and the new spiritual paradigm. And the big part about discernment, you don't ever get to a place of having eyes of real discernment and wisdom if you are knowingly not incorporating truth into your position, and that includes truth that comes at you from the outside. And if, if you're not ever willing to examine whether something could be true or not, or if there is truth in something that someone is saying that's coming at you from what you might consider to be an enemy position, if you're not willing to really look at what is said and to really sift through it and glean it for truth, to check yourself, and not just reinforce your own belief to yourself, but to really check yourself. You come to a point of, and it is a dismantlement, and it is a hero's journey, and it is spiritual metamorphosis, but your loyalty at some point has to change, your absolute loyalty, from being invested in this religion, this party, whatever the position is, to a loyalty to the truth. You're not going to metamorph into this new spiritual paradigm in the right way, in the best possible way, if your loyalty doesn't shift to the truth, I don't know if it's Joshua, I guess, in Joshua, there's this point, we've probably talked about this before, where they're getting ready to go into battle. Joshua and his men against somebody, you might remember, I don't remember who it is they're going to battle against. And this angel appears. Hmm. Getting ready to go into Jericho. Okay. From I what I recall. Okay, I didn't remember which battle it was. And hmm. the angel appears and Joshua basically addresses him, are you here for us or for our enemies? And the angel says, neither. But as captain of the Lord of hosts, I am come. And if you put a toe out of line according to the contract that Israel's made, the covenant that they've made with Yahweh, then you'll become my enemy. And if you will humble yourself and obey the contract you've signed with Yahweh, then you won't be my enemy. But he wasn't just there to automatically fight with them or against their enemies. You know, you would assume that if God's going to send somebody, it's of course going to support Joshua as Joshua goes and tries to do God's will. But when he asked him point blank a really relevant question, he asked the wrong question. He asked the total wrong question, and he was still seeing in terms of for us and against them. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, I really do believe that humanity as a humanity is evolving into a different kind of consciousness for a different age for a different reason. And not all of it's bad. I mean, there's not all of it's fragmented and going into darkness. There's a lot of it that is morphing into the light. It's just not all coming through the Christian paradigm. But men everywhere that are responding to light are responding to light. And they just are. I don't know how to explain it to a Christian how someone can be coming toward the light if they're not coming as a Christian in a way that that Christian will accept what I'm saying. All I know is I see people who are not Christian coming more toward the light. And the, the way that that's happening is that they are taking the truth inside themselves and it's changing them. And so to be part of the new spiritual paradigm, that's where your loyalty has to be, not to this religion, this denomination, this political party first. It has to be to the truth first, and that's not going to make you popular. Yeah, the highest loyalty has to be to the truth rather than an individual or a group. There's so much in there that really needs to be talked about and unpacked. Put simply, and we're going to have to kind of go off on some other things to balance this out, it's not an easy thing mm -mm. many times. Mm -mm. What we're talking about here is thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. For instance, the example of free will. Is free will true? Do we have free will? Well, you mentioned Joshua. Choose this day whom you will serve and, you know, and all that. So there is evidence in the scripture and other types of things that mm -hmm. we might consider evidence of free will. Sure. Now, to whatever degree, and, and I don't want to make the whole program yeah. about that subject, <laughs> but we would have to say, okay, how far does free will stretch? Does mm -hmm. it have limitations and all that? So it can get rather complicated. On the other hand, is God sovereign and does he have this, has he had this eternal plan and does he do according to his own will and does history unfold in a way that he knows and even causes to happen right. and does he predestine things? Right. Yeah, there's a lot of evidence for that too. In fact, even More. those actual words are even used yeah. in uh, our English, for instance, in the book of Romans and uh, being predestinated or uh, in Ephesians as well. So we could look at it that Choice being thesis, one position, the opposite position in some respects, the antithesis, but they can, we can take it to the next step of synthesis mm -hmm. to where we don't throw out any information or data or evidence and we mm -hmm. realize there's a way to create a wholeness, a oneness, a unity. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about before in the program, The Key of Knowledge, of Wisdom and understanding being the thesis and antithesis, being unified in knowledge or da'at, which essentially means to become one with. But, like you were sort of indicating, I thought of all sorts of examples and passages. Yeshua makes this statement in the Gospels to agree with your adversary quickly. Mm -hmm. I don't know... Frankly, I can't think of a person right now, many... Jordan Peterson, we've mentioned him on here before. Other than him, and there's probably other people, I'm not saying there's not, when an opponent, or there may be somebody that's considered an enemy, if somebody on, uh, that's a atheist, or someone who is a Catholic, or someone who is a whatever different than you, yeah. an environmentalist, a liberal, whatever, they've got a different position, and they make a point, and they say and here, it's true. to deny that 
or to play some game yep. about that yep. just to refuse to acknowledge right. that what they're saying is valid is not what Yeshua said. Now, this is obviously set up Positon. Satan means the adversary. So that is a, it's the prosecutor in a court as opposed to the advocate or the defense attorney. But if the prosecutor or if the adversary or an adversary, an opponent, makes a claim that is true, the best thing you can do is just acknowledge it and say, right. you might say, that's true, but, yeah. and that's fine. But to be dishonest and not acknowledge it and <clears throat> refuse to and argue with it, that isn't honest. No, and it's not the nature of God and it's not the nature of the Spirit of God. And I, I think that we are still, we are still trying to approach spiritual things through a carnal mindset. I mean, I, I just, that's what we've done. And, you know, you, you don't know how to be a spiritual person until you do. You, you just don't. You just kind of have to get down in the muck and the mire and just practicing elbow grease and slip down. And, and it's not graceful and it's not pretty and it's not comfortable. It's very gritty and it's, it's uncomfortable. But you press in and you yearn and you press in toward those things that are higher things because they're more pure and better things. And the Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is pulling you along there. But He's not going to have you ignore the lessons you're learning, the true wisdom lessons in your own life. You know, I see people trying to transcend. They, they either want to stand and fight and be like the zealots who wanted to fight Rome and force God's kingdom on earth in a carnal way. And, you know, you've got to give it to them for caring enough to be willing to give their life for a cause that they believed in. It's just that what they were trying to do wasn't going to be done the way they were trying to do it. It was through, you know, the work of Yeshua was through changing them from within, change from within. The kingdom of heaven is within you. And I think that to really mold or meld with truth, to meld with truth and walk a more spiritual road, is to be like the angel when Joshua said, for us or them, and he said neither. It was for a higher. And when you embrace the truth as you're, with your loyalty, and you say, I'm not going to just automatically stand with Republicans. I'm not going to automatically stand with the Democrats. I'm not going to automatically stand with the Christians. I'm not going to automatically stand over here. You know, of course, on a graph, you're going to be, you're going to have hotter, warmer, you know, or colder, warmer areas where because of your values, because of what you believe to be true, because of how you really feel to be in your integrity, you're going to be plotted on this graph wherever you're going to be. And likely, there are not people, most people don't live dead center. Because if they do live dead center, in my opinion, between the two dichotomies or all the dichotomies, the opposing positions of life, if they truly are dead center, they are ascended. They're not on the same spectrum line. They're in the center maybe, but they're ascended up a notch in consciousness while still in the body. They don't feel a personal identity kick when someone slams Republicans or Democrats. They don't feel a personal identity kick when someone slams Christianity or atheism or, or science. Or Their sense of identity has been transformed by an intimate knowledge of the truth that they do see. It's not that I think or that you think that we've come to a full knowledge of the truth. I don't think that's even possible in the body. I don't think it's remotely even possible. But what the pat walking with truth will do, agreeing with truth, aligning with truth, being conformed to the image of the truth that you do see, 
is the work of integrity in the moment. And so the truth that you see about yourself, about the world, about a position that you align to and you agree with someone quickly when it's true, you swallow that down and it goes through your spiritual digestive system and it changes you as it goes. Every little piece of truth, every from simplest to most complex, every little piece of truth that you agree to, that you agree with and you align with, it changes you as it goes through your digestive, your spiritual system. And you get yourself more and more and more. You leverage yourself with each agreement, with each truth that comes up in your life experience. You just leverage yourself into a greater, greater position of sovereign power, which to me is you coming into your true power as an individual within the overarching power and dominion of the God who made you. It's a sovereignty. He made you to be ruler over your own life and to submit your crown to him. And that's not robbery. Like you being ruler over your life and sitting on the throne of your own life, he made you to sit on that throne. But then you bow the knee to your creator, of course. But you don't bow the knee to nonsense systems of man that have their self-serving agendas. You don't bow the knee to untruth around you. You know, even if it's coming at you from someone who loves you or someone who's family, and I'm not saying that people who try to manipulate you or that they're doing it all consciously. To the degree that you operate in the truth is to the degree you have discernment and see. And to the degree that you don't operate in the truth is to the degree you don't have discernment and you don't see. And so we have to learn to just have compassion and sight. If someone comes at you and they're your family, maybe someone close with you and they're mad or aggravated and and you can see that the situation, you know, here's the truth and you're not just not seeing the truth or you're not being truthful or, or whatever, you know, not to be their enemy, just have compassion on them and just try to be suspended from personal identity hit, you know, and just, just see, not in pride, but just to see the truth. You simply don't see this. You just don't. You haven't practiced enough conforming yourself and bowing yourself to the truth that exists outside of yourself, you just haven't practiced this enough to have an expanded viewpoint that what you're saying, what you're believing, what you're accusing is not true. And so it's not just about coming to a consensus, accepting the truth is not just coming to a consensus of what to believe externally. That's important enough. But the real power where you gain sovereign power in it is when you conform to the truth about the state of your inside being and you change if you see a flaw or you see an area where you can develop and I don't mean be like a spiritual perfectionist I mean just acknowledging the truth you know I was a little bit crappy when I did or said this I was kind of selfish I was sulky I was this I was that and just accepting what that is you do that daily 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 and after a while you're going to have the exponential growth of having owning your own soul, like Luke talks about, by your patience, possess your souls. Yeah, I was just thinking about one thing that I feel like I should say, because there's always folks, and always have been, circling around like wolves, looking for something to exploit, and looking for something to mischaracterize. And so, just so you know, and I'm sure that probably 99% of you realize this, and for those who don't, I can't change their mind anyway, and that's not my responsibility or 
objective to even try to do that. But we are not talking about here compromise Mm-mm. between right and wrong. Mm-mm. You know, because some folks might be saying, well, it says over in Revelation 3 that I wish you were hot or cold because you're not hot or cold, but lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. That's true. That's not the subject here. Mm-mm. We're not saying to compromise with unrighteousness and evil. Neither are we promoting the fallacy of middle ground. And what I mean by that is some people will try to establish a middle ground philosophy. So you mark out one position. Let's say we've got the conservative position over here on the right. And then over here on the left side, we have the liberal position. And so if we find the exact center of that position, then that's the correct. That's not necessarily true. No. And we're not saying that. So sometimes people will do that and assume that the central position between two different viewpoints is the correct one. Not saying that. That's just geography. That's just yeah. putting a pin in a line. Yeah, yeah, that's not what we're talking not about. Not saying that between the Jews mm-hmm. and the Nazis, the middle position no. is the correct one right. or anything like that. No. But we are saying that in the course of truth, often if there's evidence mm-hmm. on both sides of a thing that we should acknowledge that and we shouldn't throw out stuff just so that our little paradigm can not fall apart well and it's not about position it's about the truth in a position that's the distinction for me if you come to me and you are very much opposed your position is very much opposed to mine if i'm in my own integrity then i've got certain values that the way i know how to work them out and walk them out is not going to be the way you walk and work them out It's just not. People are not ever going to come to a consensus on certain things. You know, some people that are all for abortion are never going to be in somehow a consensus with people who are all against abortion. Yeah, it's not going to happen. What we're saying is, though, where truth is concerned, acknowledge whatever is true, even if it's being said by your enemy. It doesn't mean you have to give up your ground It just means that you are scooting over people to have the honored guest, which is truth, come into your camp and sit in the honored position at your campfire. That's all that that, it's not about the opposite position and it's not always about making peace. It's about accepting what is true wherever you do find it. Because Mm -hmm. some people, you do this and you're gonna make enemies, but there are gonna be a lot of people who just don't believe like you, who are in their integrity on the other side of the spectrum, that if they see you be honest and upright in your dealings and you accept the truth that they say, they're going to trust you more to kind of walk your way and see what you have to say. And so between two opposing positions where both people are standing in their integrity of what they believe to be right, there is possibility for some peaceableness between them, which is what we're trying to do as a nation, You know, I'm not wanting, my agenda is not that all the liberals would just suddenly start believing like me or that all of the conservatives would start believing. It's it's not that we all believe the same thing. It's that we all get in our integrity in the light and walk in this thing consciously, not letting systems, religious or otherwise, tell us what to believe without, you know, investigating the facts for ourselves. That if we all get in a place of conscious light walking and integrity, from within that space, 
solutions will materialize because the truth will help us find a solution to the fragmentation. But it's not going to help. We're not going to find solutions when none of us are really in our integrity. And you can say, well, I'm true to my beliefs. Well, that's not what I call integrity. I call integrity that, but also will you acknowledge the truth that you haven't believed or you haven't seen that is uncomfortable for you? That is the true mark of integrity. Will you follow the truth like Israel was to follow the pillar of fire and cloud in the wilderness? And it didn't really matter to me if the pillar of fire and cloud went back to Egypt. And I know he was taken to the promised land, but wherever the pillar of fire and cloud went, that's where the presence of God was. That's where home was. And if it was in Timbuktu or on Uranus, you know, that's where Israel should have gone to camp. Because otherwise, and Moses understood this, Father, basically, I don't care if you take us to the best land. I don't care that it's beautiful and amazing. If your presence isn't with us, we will not go up. He got it. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's what the truth is. Well, and once again... In the abstract and in the theoretical, most folks will agree until we get to a specific subject yeah. or a specific happening, yeah. some cultural happening with whatever it happens to be, whether it's, you know, sometime back when we had the uh, kids from Kentucky or whatever, something that's divisive. Most people, they're just not going to be willing to try to be as objective and honest as possible. They're automatically going to see things. The situation through the lens of their particular tribe or group and they're not going to be willing to acknowledge any evidence that may contradict that from the other side i'm reminded i'll give you an example it's probably been six months ago and so we can be all magnanimous when we're talking in the abstract about a particular subject and how we should choose the truth as opposed to just the position, the default position of our tribe or family or whatever political party denomination. But if I bring up a topic like evolution, for instance, you know, and when I say evolution, more than likely everybody that's listening already has a pretty firm position on that subject. So if you're listening and you're someone who is an evolutionist, you probably think that uh, a lot of the positions and evidence maybe that someone from a creation point of view would offer is wrong and stupid. And if you're a creationist, which probably the majority of you are that are listening, you're going to dismiss, likely, most of you are going to dismiss anything the person that's the evolutionist mm -hmm. might say. Now, let's look at it this way, for instance. Now, I'll, I'll just, there was this guy, I remember some time back, that I was a group, it was a evolutionist, I, I guess a Darwinian, Darwinianist, and arguing with a creationist. And I thought that the way that these Christians were treating this guy was not entirely right or fair. That's when it came out in our paper? Are you no, 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 not no, that something one. different. Okay. Not that when I didn't get involved in that. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe I should have. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> hard to know sometimes. So this Christian guy started saying, well, which position are you trying to defend? Are mm -hmm. you trying to defend mm -hmm. evolution? Or are you trying to defend the Bible or, or creation? Or I think creationism. And I said, I'm not trying to really defend either mm -hmm. position. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find the truth mm -hmm. here. And so he began to argue with me. 
And I would ask, then I started asking him questions. A lot of times that's a good way to begin to arrive at the truth. And I said, well, what was made first? Or I, I think I asked him, where were the birds and fish? How were they made? And he said, well, God made them. I said, that's not what it says. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, yeah, it does. I said, no, mm -hmm. read it. He says, let the waters bring forth fish and fowls. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, I said, no. There is a difference. Right. The first verse says, Bereshit bara Elohim et Hashemayim v'et In the beginning, created God the heavens and the earth. The word created there, bara, is different than some of these other words of, and God formed, or God made, or God said, let the waters bring forth. It is a different type of different manner of creation creative force it's a different kind of creative force so i just threw some quick questions out of well okay well were animals made first or were people made first and animals you sure yeah and i said well then why in chapter two that it says god formed adam from the dust of the ground and then he formed these animals and brought them to adam to see what adam's going to call them and he said that there wasn't a fitting helper for adam and he said, it's not good that man be alone. And that is not the way it is in chapter one, where we have the animals created, or the land animals, and then the mm -hmm. people. And so anyway, I began, and I said, well, do you believe, and couldn't we, to an extent, define the gospel as this? I'm painting a little bit with a broad brush. That we find ourselves as mankind in a fallen, corrupted, mortal state that Adam, we had this thing called the fall, and that everything is in a state of entropy, that everything is decaying, that everything breaks down. Eventually does. Yeah. And that, however, that this mortal, this corrupted mortal, is going to, through God's grace, through the work of his Messiah, is going to create this transformation to where what was once a mortal, corrupted human is going to be transformed into this higher being that is no longer corruptible, that is no longer subject to death, that it says will be equal to the angels and will judge angels. Is that not evolution? Right. How can you say that yeah. if you've got a corrupted <clears throat> mortal that eventually, through a metamorphosis a quantum leap. is transformed right. into a higher creature right. that is no longer mortal, that is now immortal, that is no longer unrighteous and flawed, but is righteous. Is fittest. That is a type of evolution. Yeah, I'm sure. not saying it's Darwinianism. Right. And so we can look at some of the premises and some of the evidence. Well, can we not say that people are taller now in 2019 than they were in World War II. We can measure it. Yes. Yeah. I know maybe some of you are screaming at me right now saying that is not <laughs> that is not evolution. Hormone what steroids. word would you like to use? <laughs> I'm not saying it's Darwinianism. I'm not saying that everything that species evolve into a completely different yeah. species. I believe things produce according to their yeah. kind. Yeah. And I don't, you know, again, I don't want to spend all our time talking about or debating this. I just want to say that sometimes 
we actually believe a similar thing yeah. Yeah. that we just don't like the terminology or the words and we don't want to give quarter or we don't want to agree with the adversary to say, yes, there is, maybe we might say there's microevolution, but not macroevolution, okay? There are areas, many times of agreement, and I can show you areas, some of you might deny it, of evolution in the Bible. I'm not saying, again, that it's pure Darwinianism, but some of those beliefs can be found in the Bible. And so we do not do God a service. We do not honor God through being dishonest, through being deceitful, or just being stubborn to refuse to accept a truth because someone of another team says it. Well, and because it's hook, line, and sinker. I mean, the way that we deal with positions often is that it's all or nothing. You know, I've got my whole encapsulated position over here, and you've got your whole encapsulated position over there, and that it's a walled city and a fortress city, and never the twain shall meet. And that's how, you know, most people try to stand in their beliefs and try to be in their integrity is that they're just going to be a walled city so that nothing can get in and nothing gets out so that it doesn't go over to the other side or whatever. And that's just not... That's just not the way of a spiritual person who is following the breadcrumbs to spiritual truth. Being on semen or set in semen in your position is really, to me, not the best way to be in your position. The best way to be in your position is to be in like a Bedouin tent where it's structurally sound enough that you can make your home there but it's not so structurally sound that you can't move it around as you decide to move a little bit. You know, maybe the water's better over here, maybe something happens and you have to move your tent. As you acclimate to truth, you're going to need the freedom to conform to it. And you can't just have two walled cities aiming their trebuchets at each other to try to knock each other's walls down. You have to be able to have some face-to-face I don't even know how to say what I'm trying to say, what the words are. You have to be able to, you can't be behind a stone wall and think that you're going to come to a consensus of any type of truth of something. You have to be out among it, like Yeshua was kind of, uh, he was out among the people. And yeah, not everybody's at the level of Yeshua, but the Holy Spirit dwelt within him fully, bodily, the spirit of truth. That's what the Holy Spirit is. That's its job, is to lead and guide you into all truth. And Yeshua was really criticized for going among the sinners, so to speak. And according to Mosaic law, they were sinners. It was the truth. But when asked about it or when criticized or condemned about it, he said, look, it's not the righteous that need a physician. It's not the well that need help. It's the sick. And I'm not going to go in and among them just so that I can be the big cheese that beats them down into another viewpoint and I can win and score a point and feel validated in my own identity. That's what carnal men do. And we're all carnal men to whatever degree we're carnal men. We all are. We all are. That's why this spiritual practice of acclimating to truth wherever we find it and wherever it comes is so important. It is a very, it's like leaven. Yeshua said the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven that slowly it will take over the whole thing. It will take over your viewpoint. It will take over 
your carnal structure that you've built to try to stand for God and serve God. But God is a consuming fire, and He's not a man like you are a man. And His people show plainly at some point that they are not of this world. They're not. They belong to a city whose builder and maker is God, not man. And so there will come a point if you desire spiritual effectiveness, if you desire your own sovereign power. It's all really basically the same thing. I'm saying it different ways. If you desire intimacy with the truth, you know, people, if they're really honest, a lot of times they might say, well, I just don't want to go there because I don't want to be responsible for having to change at that level. I'm afraid of what being that honest would do to my life, and I'm not sure I'm ready to go there. Well, I get it. I do. I understand that, and that's an honest, that's an honest place and an honest thing to say, but, you know, so many of the things that we're actually seeking, individually and collectively, only come from sacrifice yeah and and not just that but being willing to being willing to give everything over for the true intimacy of living in the shadow of the pillar of fire and cloud and i mean you get to the point if you want solutions at a global level that are going to help the earth if you want to be in your own power and integrity and your own authority that god gave you if you are tired of doing things in a way that no longer works, if you're tired of being pit and pitting yourself against a quote-unquote enemy out there, and you're just tired of the battle, of he hits you, you hit him, he hits you, you hit him, arguing and debating, and never, there never really being transformation of really, in all honesty, of you or him. You know, when we talk about change and transformation, we have this conquistador converting, I can't think of the word, like crusader. crusader. That you just go out and I'm going to change the world by changing their mind. And if they won't change their mind, we'll, we'll kill them or whatever. And that's not the kind of transformation that's associated with this new spiritual paradigm. It's just not. And so in order to step up our game to what is the transformation point of the new spiritual paradigm, we are going to have to stop playing this game carnally. Mm -hmm. We absolutely are. We're going to have to. And, and the truth is the only thing that I have found that walks among the subjective reality and among the objective reality, goes before God, goes before man, shows up inside you, shows up inside the heart of God, goes through every reach of space in all the worlds, in all the dimensions, in everything that is. It is the great transforming unifier. Mm -hmm. Well, it says the comforter. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, mm -hmm. and as you said, he will guide you into all truth and show you things to come. First of all, it doesn't say he will drag you into all truth, <laughs> and it doesn't say he will guide you into only the truth that's comfortable or, or that you like. Right, or let you drag others into truth. Now, it says that the spirit is given to those that obey him, mm -hmm. so your personal integrity is going to be the major factor mm -hmm. in how close you can get to the truth and how right. much of the, tr the truth you're going to be able to see. Earlier, we were talking about thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. Often, that there are things like predestination and choice, for instance, or even some of these positions of what we might say evolution and creationism or whatever. Well, there's this act of ex nihilo, bringing forth something from nothing, 
type of creation, but then there is also this uh, process of things evolving or going through a metamorphosis mm -hmm. that we see in this world that we see on a spiritual level. And I could point to mm -hmm. a lot of places in, in the scripture that are going to show those things. Faith to faith and glory to glory. Work out your own salvation mm -hmm. with fear and trembling of this process of improving. Mm -hmm. That is an, an evolution sure process. Sure I mean, it, it may not, again, be Darwinianism, but it is a metamorphosis. It is an evolution, and just because you don't like the Word. the term, it doesn't have to mean Darwinianism. No, um, and I mean God made His He made creation to be able to run without His constant presence in His hand, so to speak, on the knob. He made it self-sustaining. He did because because anything else would be inefficient. And why go to all the effort just to have a system that kind of kind of works and crashes and burns if you're not there to watch over it at that level? I mean, it's just efficient to do that. And so in built in because that's the thing. A lot of times I come to certain conclusions because I put, I put myself through these thought experiments and I'll say, okay, if I were God, not that I can ever get into the heart and mind of God with this, but you do expand your own thinking with these thought experiments. If I were God, with the best of my intentions of what little I know, you know, Yeshua said, you being evil, you give, if your kid asks for bread, are you going to give him a serpent or, or whatever? If he asks for a fish, are you going to give him, okay, I'm probably mixing all that up, but you're going to give, <laughs> you have the components there, y'all work it out. You're going to give him the good stuff. Yeah, being evil. And so if God being perfect and good and being God, because I know of the attributes of God that I do know, and I put myself in that position of creating a universe or creating multiverses, I'm not going to make it shoddy. I'm going to make it self-sustaining where life continually comes up and bubbles up through what looks like the death. I mean, even the, the way vultures are here. I've heard people say, I just don't like vultures. They're just nasty. And I think, well, how much nastier would earth be if vultures weren't here consuming the dead? That's efficient. You may not like the presence of the, you may, it may gross you out or whatever, but it's an efficient system. The body. All things work together. For yes, it's an efficient system. And so, vultures and well, insects. exactly. Right. And so th these things work to transform themselves. I mean, look at the worm into the butterfly. Look at the tadpole and into a frog. frog, and I kept wanting to say tad. <laughs> Sometimes I think I need more blueberries. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can see the picture in my mind, but my mind won't work sometimes. But what I was going to say about the systems of transformation, I really resonate with alchemy. And when you think about alchemy, whether you believe it was a literal transfiguration or a symbolic transfiguration, you take base metals. Talk about how symbolic is this? You take these base metals and somehow through a process that is specific and targeted, you transmute them into gold. And whether or not, like I say, you really believe that that is actually possible, symbolically speaking, it is the message of salvation. That you take us, our base metals, we are a, we're a corruptible and a corrupted being. And there's a lot of stuff that's thrown around out there about original sin and how that is a dumb idea and all of that. And we're all basically good and we're all basically divine. Well, you know what? That That is yet another extreme, the two extremes of we're pieces of crap or we're all divine. You know, and somewhere in the middle, there's evidence to support that there are thought processes in both positions that are true. Exactly. And so you have to be able, and, and that's the thing, people want an easy 
clear-cut alternative to the extremes. They want someone to just come along and say A, B, C, where it's clear and cut and dried and they don't have to work out their salvation with regard to what they believe about a particular thing. And it just doesn't happen that way. You have to come to your own consensus about what you're going to believe about something. And I understand the anxiety of saying, well, what if I'm not right? I get it, but it's like the guy where God gave the talent, the parable of the talent. You know, he gave them the talents and the ones who tried to do something with the talents were rewarded. And the one was just like, well, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this because he's kind of, he's hard master or whatever. I'm just going to go bury it. And to me, that's what that's like is saying, because I might get it wrong, I'm not going to make any attempt to reconcile this for truth's sake, but you're not going to have ownership over any of your beliefs if all of them were handed to you by someone else. You're not going to ever feel grounded in them. But if you look into, okay, do I believe that man is inherently divine or do I believe man is inherently evil? And you look at all the scriptures, you listen to different things that maybe some of the New Agers say that are compelling ideas, maybe you don't, whatever, you look at different things that science says and you, you compile all this and you get yourself to a working consensus of what is, seems to be scripturally, you know, it's not going to be either or, I can tell you that right now. There's going to be elements of scripture that seem to indicate this. There's going to be elements of scripture that seem to indicate the other. You're going to have to work out the salvation of that. You're going to have to synthesize that into a position with who you are, with your skill set, your personality, your gifts, being in your integrity of what you feel in your body also to be true, what pings with you. And you're just going to have to take your flagpole, your little plotter, and stick it in this ground. That's why you don't put it in cement. You just put it in the ground and say, this may not be 100% right, but it's as right and as good, as correct as I know, having looked at the evidence and in my integrity that I know how to make it right now. This is my understanding of the objective truth in this current space and time that is subject and likely will change. If you are a truth seeker, it, yep. you're going to understand more, so yes. your position's going to have to be somewhat flexible you're where you can improve upon yep. it. Yep. I was uh, going to mention something regarding, you know, that I realized at some point you know, you were talking about the angel that uh, appeared unto Joshua, and Joshua said, whose side are you on? Are you on our side or our enemy's side? And he said, neither, but as captain of the Lord's host am I here. So Joshua was looking at it, are you positive or negative? Mm -hmm. Are you for us or them? Mm -hmm. And the our angel essentially enemy. says, I'm neutral. Mm -hmm. It's a question of whose side you're on. And mm -hmm. I remember some years ago talking about the components of a light bulb. Mm -hmm. that we have a positive charge and a negative charge, but this all works through the neutral filament that holds these seemingly opposing forces into a balance where right. we can have the energy and the light. Right. So, once again, thesis, antithesis, and synthesis, that's a really good illustration of that, of how that can work. Well, it is a good illustration, and I like the word synthesis, because when you say synthesis, you're not just taking a handful of thesis and a handful of antithesis and smacking it together like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which actually goes together. Take two somethings and smash them together in a way that don't work like a Picasso painting, where you probably have seen different paintings of Picasso. Maybe you haven't. He went through a 
phase, or maybe it was most of his work time, where he would just have body parts coming out of the side of people's heads. Cubism? I don't know what it, yeah, I mean, you would know. But he would just depict the human form in ways that the human form wasn't, unless they were in a mangled car crash, whatever. And he can take whatever license he wants to, but that's not the way it's meant to be. And so when you try to blend something in a way that's not meant to be blended, like oil and water or linen and wool, wool there are certain things that the forces... Or genetically modified seeds. Right. And... The forces fundamentally do not blend. Mm -hmm. then, then synthesis can't happen. And see, that's what we're seeing in our world where we're trying to take things that don't work together and force a uniformity and call it good, that's Babylon, that's a confusion, that's Absolutely. a mixture, it's never going to happen, it's a right. fragmentation. We're talking about synthesis between the forces that seem to be opposite, but there is something about them, just like a man and a woman can often seem like opposite forces, but there is a natural and meant way for them to come together to procreate and create a third thing. And so when we talk about blending and coming to a consensus and a synthesis, there is a right way to do that with the things and elements that will work together and a wrong way to do that, which is what the world is trying to do. The only way that you can be a cod and make that work properly is with really tree of life energy that does divide. Which it is does the tree of oneness. Yeah, it does divide. Like there there are divisions with like Adam and Eve. Adam and he Eve was in him, and then they divided. There's not, division in and of itself is not necessarily an indication that no consensus can be found. It's simply a division that then, according to a higher plan, comes back together into some kind of a oneness, whereas the tree of the knowledge of good and evil endlessly fragments, endlessly fragments, endlessly fragments, and you can't, it's like Humpty Dumpty. They couldn't put him back together again. It just doesn't work. So there's a difference in this. Well, really quickly, this probably should be its own podcast sometime. I've heard uh, people over the years talking about there's this person at work or this family member and I want to witness to them or whatever. I want to see them saved or I want to see this family member saved or I'm trying to figure out the right way to witness to this person at work or this family member to expose them to the festivals or whatever it might Live be or the Sabbath. Kind of and most of the time, I found that the success rate is absolutely uh, abysmal. And it's typically not effective because of the way the person is focusing. They don't realize it. They don't realize what they're doing, I think, consciously a lot of times. But it is still, many times, of that crusader spirit. Mm -hmm. Agenda. And they're trying to, through their own carnal might either through their cleverness or through the force of will and personality, convince someone that they should believe like they do in whatever, even if you're right, you should believe on Jesus and get saved. Or if you believe, you know, that they should believe the festivals are valid and should be done either way. A lot of times that is not going to be very effective. No. If you will shift your focus or try to, and this will take time, because if you begin, like you said, doing thought experiments and you begin to, what you're going to find, most of you, is that there are your, your giving to that other person 
is contingent yeah, in some way. Yeah. yeah, it is conditional on if they will adopt your brand of right. belief. And if that's the case, that is not altruistic and that is not really the kingdom way. It's not love. If you will let that kind of go, at least for a while, and say, I'm going to accept this person and love this person as I would love myself, and I'm not going to try to change them. That's not my job. That's right. the Spirit's job, right. first of all. That's right. And so I don't want to get in His way. And who am I to say exactly where that all person should be at yeah. this point right. in their level of obedience and all that. But <laughs> let's just say I'm going to just set that down momentarily. My desire to see this person conform to my idea, I'm just going to set that down. And I want to ask myself, honestly, how can I be of service to this person, regardless of what they ever decide or do in their life, if they never make any positive change, if they never accept the truth, or if they never reach out to God, if they never become, if I just let all that go and say, how can I speak life and truth and be a servant to this person and love them as myself? you will begin to find that person will begin to ask you right. questions about your beliefs. Sure. And if you don't ever get asked questions about your beliefs, you're probably trying to enforce your beliefs yeah. at the point of a sword, figuratively. Well, and if you, if all you ever do is put yourself in the position of someone else, like what you do to others, would you want someone doing to you? And be honest, because some people might say, yeah, I'd want someone trying to save me. No, you really probably wouldn't. Or you wouldn't want somebody trying to make you into a Baptist if you were Assembly of God or vice versa. We don't really know any boundary. Like in, in our desire to make conquests, you know, it's like I've seen people that aren't even satisfied that somebody's a Christian. They want them to be their version of Christian. They want them to be a Baptist or a this or a that. And it's Use like, the names and use the calendar yeah, and everything that they do. Well, do. Do Sabbath or don't do Sabbath or do Passover or don't do... I mean, and it just gets to be this big chain, really. It's a chain for you and it's a chain for them. You are going to shine the brightest when you get in your own space of integrity and love for God... And you do you. You do your life as well as you're trying to make someone else do their life. You, you exceed your own limits that you've had. Whatever you're trying to give to somebody else or whatever you're expecting for somebody else, you do it that well in your life. And then when you turn to your brother, you see yourself as an ambassador. Not for more of what they need to do, but what they need to experience. People need to experience God. They need to experience his love for humanity, his grace. And I, I don't mean the words. I mean the presence. Because if you do your integrity right and you conform to truth in the ways that you know how, you do all these things habitually over and over and over, you're going to create a field around your life that's coming from your soul, that's coming from the fusion of the Holy Spirit with your soul. You're going to create a field of presence where the presence of God is felt by other people, and you're not, probably not going to even have to go out, or you're not going to probably have to cast your attention too far outside of your own life. It's just going to flow on its own, because you've gotten in your integrity with the truth, and it has started to create a new creature field for you. Not where you're chasing others, but they chased Yeshua. And yeah, they chased him partly because of the miracles, partly, a big part because of the miracles he did, 
but also because he embodied a different spirit and because he taught a different level of life in his words. That's very good. And I hope that this has uh, ministered and meant something to you guys today. And I hope that maybe you picked up some uh, things or we've given you a little bit of a different perspective on a lot of these subjects. Uh, again, on these themes that we talk about pretty much every time, uh, a little bit different take on it, a little bit different focus, but I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed discussing these subjects, and if you have topics or you have questions that you would like for us to consider maybe doing a podcast on, or you have questions about some of the subject matter that we've discussed in the past, you can uh, get a hold of me at goldenparadigm at gmail.com, that's golden, G-O-L-D-E-N, Paradigm, P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M. All one word. G- yeah, goldenparadigm at gmail.com. So, yeah, I'll be happy to pass questions you may have for Julie along to her. I'd be happy to forward that. You guys have a great week. And Thank take a you. little bit of uh, extra effort, if you can, this week to just be mindful of other people in in your family or at the workplace to see maybe that they're going through some hardships or going through struggles and maybe just speak an encouraging word and be kind to them. It goes a lot further than what you think. Well, in doing that, as many of the mystic writers say, that for every kind and good and righteous act, you elevate the entire world. I believe that. And for every wicked, selfish, evil act, you bring down the whole world. That's pretty compelling. Yeah. Okay. You all have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. God bless. See ya.